please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Kamala Davy Harris, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion that I will well and faithfully discharge that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter the duties of the office upon which I am about to enter so help me God so help me God Greetings and what's good, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad. And I'm Justina Kinney. And we are just three POC in the cornfield, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. So what's good, soldiers? Oh my gosh. Welcome to a bonus track of the podcast. Today is a momentous and a historic day. Um, Just hours ago, as we record this on um, Wednesday, January 20th, 2021, um, former Senator and Vice President Joseph R. Biden was sworn in as the 46th President of the United States. Also today, Senator Kamala Harris was sworn in as the first woman, the first woman of color, the first black woman, and the first South Asian vice president of the United States of America. This is the Black Girl Magic episode. Yes. So, Justine, how are you doing right now? You guys, today has been amazing. You know, uh, today was a breath of fresh air. You know, it feels like a new beginning, the beginning of something new for our country. And, you know, in addition to this being a historic day, I think that the inauguration process was laced with reminders of how far we've come as a country. Representation of women and minorities was breathtaking. Uh, soldiers, I am excited for what the next four years holds for our nation. Let's do this. Let's go. Mm, mm, yo, so I'm, 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 I'm beyond excited. I am. I'm stoked. I'm psyched. Oh my I'm goodness! I'm mad hype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I have. So I've been waiting for you know since the election. I've been waiting for a few months now. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I, I heard people say this too. I am, you know, I don't know. I'm, it, it's crazy that in my lifetime right now, we have elected a black president and yes. a black vice president in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, they're both biracial and maybe we'll mm-hmm. get to that later in the episode. Yes. But, <laughs> but, but Kamala Harris, now vice president Kamala Harris, like former president Barack Obama, 
identifies as an African-American. Yeah. And so it's um, powerful. It's huge. And like when Barack was elected, I cried real tears. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, cry today? Uh, my eyeball sweat a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, somebody was chopping onions all of a sudden. I don't know what happened. You know, I mean, so I, I attended the inauguration, right? And my eyeball sweat then too. But mm. today, to have all of the black girl magic that we had today was absolutely crazy. I mean, let me just for a minute run it down. First, first, <laughs> we had the former First Lady Michelle Obama come out looking just statue. Y'all, okay, listen, she looked amazing. She looked fabulous. Sweet mm. black Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. Um, I mean, so look what tall, brilliant, beautiful, and yeah. fly in yes. what like a plum, a mm-hmm. plum pantsuit that looked yeah. like Prince designed it. Yes, she <laughs> and looked that, gorgeous. And mm-hmm. that trench coat, yo. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. So she she just looked. She was she was straight working it. She was just it. it she was cold. I mean, the Obamas are a power couple. They just mm-hmm. look great together. Mm-hmm. Then we had J-Lo come out in her winter white looking fly, yes, yes. you know, and singing This Land is Your Land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. for those of you who don't remember the show in Living Color, J-Lo was a fly girl dancer. Mm-hmm. And Andres, <laughs> who's, not, who's not with us on the mic today. He posted. Next, yeah. he, and he posted it. He was like, yo, wait, it's crazy that we have one of the fly girls is now singing at the inauguration. Mm-hmm. And then we had, you know, some brown girl magic up in there too, with with, with J Lo, and then um, the first Latina Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Yes. yes. Swear in the vice president. Yeah. How symbolic! I mean, just man, it's amazing. And then, and then, <laughs> then we had Amanda Gorman. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. The youngest beautiful. ever. Yes. The youngest ever uh poet laureate of the United States recited an incredible poem. Mm-hmm. And Jay, I don't know if you caught the rhythm of that, but mm-hmm. she delivered a slam poem. Oh yeah. It was oh it gosh, was like yeah. she came out with the coffee house joint. Yeah, yeah. And oh my so gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, and I mean, and not and not to to deviate from the black girl magic too much, but then Joe Biden's inauguration speech hit just the right tone. I feel like, and so, I mean, I I'm I'm with you. I I actually I breathe I, an actual physiological yeah. sigh of relief mm-hmm. to know mm-hmm. that we were swearing in a president who was going to be presidential. Yes, it was huge. Right, right. So. I mean, yeah. I, I think today was a very, very, very important American moment. Absolutely. And, you know, as I was, as, as I was watching the inauguration this morning, I was thinking about all the black girls, you know, in America and across the world who get to witness this moment, you know, mm-hmm. this moment where you can look at a television and see people that look like you. Mm-hmm. See brown women, black women, um, 
and be reminded, right? Because I think as women of color, we constantly need that reminder that I can do big things as well. I can shatter glass ceilings, right? Right. That these spaces, these places are not just for white women Mm. or for men, that as a black woman, I belong there too. It was just, I mean, amazing. I loved it. I loved it. It was so dope. I mean, it was so good. It was just a triumphant day for women, period. Right. But even amped up that much more mm-hmm. if you're if you're a woman of color and oh yeah. And if you're a black girl and, and if you're yes. a biracial girl, you know, and I think yes, about my exactly my daughter and I think about mm-hmm. my nieces and I think mm-hmm. about, you know, all the folks I saw on Facebook of all ages. Yeah. All ages rocking they 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 chuck some pearls. Yes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Just amazing. Oh my goodness, soldiers. So today in our virtual living room, we're going to be discussing three things. What today's inauguration meant to us, you know, kind of like on an individual basis. Then we're also going to talk about what this moment means for our country, the United States of America. Then finally, how does this day relate to the theme of our podcast, which entails living while black? Okay, y'all. So I'm going to get started. You know, like I mentioned before, Abdul, um, as I was, as I was, you know, like as I was watching this moment, I was like, oh my gosh, they, they look like me, which, you know, like it just, it just, it never happens. You have Kamala Harris, Michelle Obama, uh, Amanda. Okay. And first of all, when Amanda, when she walked up to the stage, I was like, is she like 15? Then I looked up her age and she's 22. Yes. Y'all, okay, listen, black don't crack. Not at all. I'm gonna put that out there. Okay, she black don't look crack. 12 years old, 22 Right. Oh my goodness. Yep. College grad. She's done with college, doing awesome things. It was so good, you know, and um it was it was a good moment for black women because we are getting to shatter glass ceilings. And as I was kind of reflecting on this moment, I asked myself, Justine, two years ago, if someone had told you that in 2021 we would be swearing in our first female vice president. I probably would have automatically assumed that that woman would be white. Mm. You know, like I, like, I just would never think that we would have our first female vice president be a woman of color. And today it happened, you know, and I think this is kind of like a rewriting of history where we are changing the, fab, you know, the fabric of our country where women of color are getting to be the first women to do something. Yeah. The first vice president of our country who's a woman is a woman of color. And for me, that is, that is a huge victory. Yeah. That yes. It to- it, it's definitely a huge victory. I mean, it's, I was watching, I mean, just, yeah, just the whole, the whole, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost speechless, but I remember 2008. Mm. When Barack Obama won. Yes. Yes. And I remember, you know, like I said, I'd, I'm standing in my living room crying real tears. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost the ugly cry, but the waterworks was going full in full effect. Yes. But I remember even more powerful than that, they're, you know, they're at, in, in Chicago, in Grant Park, and the camera pans over to Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. Now, Say what you want about Jesse Jackson. A lot of folks, he's kind of like a, you know, some people don't like him and whatever, whatever, right? But Jesse Jackson 
was like John Lewis, the late, the late John Lewis was a child of the civil rights movement. And he mm-hmm. was, he was one of those little young thundercats who was standing side by the kind of side by side with Dr. King. And he mm-hmm. was there when King was assassinated. Wow. Yeah. He, right. So, and they pan over to Jesse Jackson and he's standing there mm-hmm. just sobbing because he thought like you thought, Mm. I didn't think I would ever see this in my lifetime. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, I, so as, as I thought about that this morning or this, yeah, it, it reminded me and I wondered what must, what must black women mm. and women in general mm-hmm. feel about this moment? And I, and it, to me, it seems like it feels kind of like that. Yeah. So empowered. So empowered. Oh my gosh, Abdul. Like, you know, honestly, when I was, because I'm in my late 20s and I have all these dreams of things that I want to do. And, you know, I think this morning watching Michelle Obama, Kamala Harris, Amanda Gorman, and I'm thinking, I can do it. I can do it. I am not going to let the world tell me where I do or do not belong. Yeah. I am going to go full throttle, all gas, no brakes. I'm going to pursue every dream. And if you are a black woman, a brown woman, a woman of color, a white woman, anywhere in the world, do not let the world tell you where you do or do not belong. Hmm. Keep fighting. Right. Let's do this. Right. And, and, and I feel like, you know, so a couple of things it means to me is, I mean, it's, it's right along the lines of what you're saying, Justine. And so I think about, you know, like again, you know, early experiences, right? And 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 representation matters. And so, early experiences, you know, when you see certain things, you want to be certain things, right? And so, we know, for example, like, um, you know, okay, so for me, my heroes were people, were people like Muhammad Ali. Mm. You know, they were Malcolm X, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes. You know, mm. they were um, former Chief Justice. You know, the late Justice Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, people like James Baldwin, you know, people mm-hmm. I saw, you know, on, on TV and videos and documentaries and, you know, people who were just fearlessly black, yes, fearlessly about loving each other and justice in their fearness, fearness, black, fear, uh, fearless blackness. Yes. Right? So it wasn't just a matter of them hating other people. It was, mm. they loved our people so much. And they and they understood representation, and they understood the power of not equality and assimilation, but the, but the power of equity. It's powerful, Abdul. You know, and I mean, they, you know, and so even if you don't go to and like before that, after that, you had people like uh, Michael Jordan, a whole ad campaign. Everybody wants to be like Mike. Mm. You know, and so you got you got people wearing all of their athletic gear looking like whatever, because why representation matters. Yes. Even if you don't look at celebrities, even if you look at um, just regular people, you know, you look at teachers, you know, you you look at the Mm -hmm. fact that, that all of the stats about education and the different racial implications and stuff like black children are more likely to have, an emotionally positive and an academically successful educational experience if they have at least one, one black, black teacher, teacher just yeah. one mm-hmm. and then it improves slightly if you have more black teachers mm-hmm. it doesn't improve like exponentially like if for everyone you have you have doesn't improve like that but mm-hmm. you have just one black teacher mm-hmm. 
you know, you're less or you're more likely to be put in gifted and talented. Yeah. Right. You're more likely to, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, a bunch of outcomes that we know about from research. And so just looking at normal stuff like that, you know, yeah. looking at portrayals of black women in, in, in the media and in life and how healthy they are for black girls. Mm. And, and, you know, so I, I, I read something years ago and I was thinking about it in, in preparation for this episode, it said, there's something vital about being able to take up space in a world that is built for you. Mm. And the reason why I feel like the representation of today matters so much is because it reminds us as people of color and especially as, you know, like Kimberly Crenshaw says in, in, in her, in her, in her piece about intersectionality that like black women are really on the bottom, bottom rung yeah. of society. Yeah. And so to see our former first lady point to the new vice president, like mm -hmm. sister girl, you got this. It's your time right now. Yes. And to see that exchange mm. of, 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 of black womanhood yeah. was incredibly powerful. And so, and so, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm really, today means a lot, a lot, regardless of what people think about the politics of these individuals. Mm -hmm. It means, it means an incredible amount. Yeah. Yeah, so good. And you know, I was I was thinking about um you know how sometimes people can be like super happy about an event or something and you're confused you're like what's the big deal? Mm -hmm. If you're someone that's confused as to why women of color are like celebrating right now, I would challenge you to have some conversations because like Abdul said representation matters. And black women historically have been erased from the story of America, they've been marginalized, they've been silenced, they've been minimized. And so for us, this moment, it's kind of like a coming alive moment, you know, um, and just very, very empowering. Then the other thing that I really loved, Abdul, is that Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, and Kamala Harris all had on clothes that were different shades of purple, you know? I didn't catch that. Um, yeah, I didn't, different I didn't shades of purple. That. Okay. Which is, which is a very, I think a very interesting color because purple really pops and it really yeah. stands out. Yeah. Um, and I was doing some research about this and uh, this was a representation of unity and bipartisanship, you know, and typically when you mix Ooh. red and blue together, you get purple, right? So I think again, <laughs> women, women man, like our instincts, like just thinking about unity and how can we begin to build right. Uh, a country that is united because we've been divided for the past four years. <laughs> I feel like my you outfit know? is about to reflect unity. Come on now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that. See, that's, that's just Beautiful. on the sneak tip. That's some, that's some stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I mean, real talk, Hillary, Hillary Clinton is like the, like the, the, the queen of the pantsuit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Some tough pantsuits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she really did. Yes. I mean, man. So, and you, you were mentioning before, like the whole thing about, you know, just the, the, the representation matters, right? Mm -hmm. And so we might have listeners who may think that this is a whole thing on, you know, identity politics and think that identity politics is something negative. And so as I think about that, you know, if you're a listener and that's you and you're thinking about, you know, the identity politics and, and that whole piece and the, that being kind of negative and pejorative, I'd say two things. First thing is this, all politics is identity politics. 
right? Mm -hmm. Now, my training is as a historian and a political scientist. Mm -hmm. So I can speak with a fair amount of credibility that all politics, even without that, that education, just pay attention, right? All politics is identity politics. The very nature of politics is about competing and compromising identities. Yeah. You know, about competing and compromising worldviews. It's about getting things that satisfy your social, your economic, your mm -hmm. religious, and your financial preferences. Mm. That's what politics is. And yeah. all of those things are what? Identity. Mm -hmm. Second thing is this. Our now former president, who that feels good to say, <laughs> <laughs> like Lion King, Ooh, Mufasa. <laughs> 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 but our now former president practiced identity politics to the highest order. He did. He even went out while the inauguration is taking place. He's doing a competing ceremony with the military, like some kind of failed dictator, which is the first time that's ever happened in the history of our Republic. And so, so much of the outrage that white, an identity group, white people felt like that they were, they were losing everything. They literally stormed and occupied Congress just two weeks ago today. Exactly. And so if that's not identity politics, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, this, this, th that, that's just a few things that it means to me. But again, mm -hmm. If you want to think about identity politics, really, really understand what that means. And quite frankly, understand the fact that in an ideological sense, conservative white people, like we've said before in the podcast, really invented this whole modern identity politics. And it was specifically in opposition to inclusion, mm -hmm. in opposition to civil rights, in opposition to equal status in society for black folks. Yeah. So anyway, this ain't that episode. I'm just That's saying. That's very good. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as we think about, like you said, three things, the second thing is what does it mean for the country? So as you think about Justine, what it means for the country, like what's your take on that? Yeah. You know, um, honestly, I enjoy the whole ceremony, but I think for me, the icing on the cake was Miss Amanda Gorman. I mean, just amazing. And I'm going to read just a few lines from her poem that I really, really love. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. Then later on, she says, because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. You know, and I think for me, honestly speaking, uh, her poem was kind of the song of hope, you know, because she talks about light and she talks about having braved the belly of the beast and kind of walking into this light. But she also challenges us to, to face the darkness of racism, bigotry, death, injustice, terror, dishonesty, and division right? That is a part of our history. And she challenges us to, to take a hard look in the mirror, you know, as a country, take a hard look in the mirror and begin to make the necessary foundational changes in order to walk in the light and the hope that we're desperately desiring. And, you know, I think 
man, like everything she said is just perfect for Americans to think about and to ponder over. Yes, there is hope. Yes, we're excited about this new thing. But we cannot just forge forward without looking at the past and figuring out what we need to do differently. Right, right. And so it's, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, kind of the, that whole piece because, well, first off, do you know, do you know what a poet laureate actually is? I do not. You know what? And neither did I until today. I've heard the term forever. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, well, what exactly is a poet laureate and why does it matter and who cares? You know, but here's the thing. And this is this is some more. And this is even one more notch in the black girl magic category. OK, so a poet laureate is basically the official poet of the, of the United States. Like we kind of <gasps> we kind of get that. But, yeah, it's the official poet of the United States. The actual title. Mm-hmm. is the Poet Laureate Consultant in Poetry to the Library of Congress. Wow. Yeah. Or that's what the Library of Congress website says. So, so during their term, the Poet Laureate basically um, raises the national consciousness mm. uh, to really kind of an, a, a higher appreciation of writing and of poetry. Wow. And so what they do is... Like they get an annual stipend and they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, um, they present like, you know, an annual lecture series and, or reading or whatever. And then they introduce poets into the Library of Congress's poetry series and they do lectures and symposia and a bunch of different things. That's awesome. Right. And she's and only 22. Only oh 22. God. And it used to be. Until 1998, it used to be a lifetime appointment. Mm. So yeah, it was a lifetime appointment. And so now I think it's a 10-year term. Okay. But a 10-year term as the national poet to the Library of Congress of the United States of America is a 22-year-old young black girl who was raised by a single mother. Single what? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible to me. It's awesome. Yeah. Representation matters. It absolutely does. So for me, what it means to me for the country, um, I said a little bit about it with, 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 you know, kind of the juxtaposition of the former president and then now the new president and the vice president. But having the election in November of 2020 and then the inauguration today felt um, a lot like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out for a minute here, but it felt a lot like how first how I imagine that the Iraqis felt when they were tearing down the statue of Saddam Hussein, mm-hmm. you know. And here's the nerd part for those of you like me who are Star Wars fans, it felt like the scene at the end of Return of the Jedi when the rebels won the Battle of Endor with the Ewoks and they cut to, the, the, to a scene on the, main, um, on the main planet of Coruscant with the statue of Emperor Palpatine collapsing because now they have restored peace and justice mm-hmm. to the galaxy. Yeah. So it felt a little bit like that. I mean, it, it just, it, just, it, it yeah. felt, you know, and like I said, it felt like, um, I mean, I don't know, I just felt some kind of way about it. 
so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just a little bit of what it meant to me for the country. And what it also means, I think, for both the, the, the new vice president and for the new president, Biden, is that I really, really feel like we need a leader to restore our national empathy. Mm, We've yeah. talked before about how divided we are politically and ideologically right. and everything and, and how media outlets and people are living in two different realities and all this kind of stuff. We need, you know, people hate politicians, right? Mm -hmm. But the framers wanted politicians in politics. We want somebody who wants to listen to all sides and compromise, right? right? So that, that, that's what we want. Yeah. And, you know, if you've been following any of the news, one of the things that people talk about, about Joe Biden is his empathy. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, because of all the tremendous loss, he lost, you know, a, a, a wife and a daughter and then a son recently. And so, yeah. you know, um, like you need somebody who can help tap into the soul of the nation right? and not just stir up the anger and the ire of the nation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I feel like that's, that's really what it means for the country right now. And so, yeah. because a lot of people were hurting for the last mm -hmm. four years as mm -hmm. a result of this president being elected. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of people were hurting and felt ignored for a long time. You know, rural Americans, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, 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 the rural poor, a lot of business owners, a lot yes. of people who supported Donald Trump really felt left out in the cold and alienated. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, and so that's what the, the thing two weeks ago was about. It was nobody's listening to us. Right. Yes. You mm. know, now it went crazy and went way sideways, but at the base of it, it was nobody's listening to us. Mm -hmm. And so, and so that's why the speech I felt like struck the right tone and that hopefully the president listens to everyone and, and is what he says he's going to be, which is the president for all Americans. Exactly. Because the previous president said that, but never, Maybe ever once for a moment behaved like it. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yep. I agree. You know, and one thing that I've noticed that um, the new president does a very good job of is he's constantly saying, I will support you regardless of who you voted for, you know, and I think, I think that's a very powerful and a very uniting statement. And if I'm being honest, I think his voice is the voice we need right now, you okay. know, in 2021, given how messy and crazy 2020 was, I think he's the voice that we need right now. And I think he made a phenomenal choice, you know, in choosing uh, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, to be his right wing woman. <laughs> I think they're going to make an awesome team, y'all. So, yes, looking forward to it. Yes. yes. And then there's this, there's this. For a lot of people who are, you know, we, we rail about, you know, fundamentalists and evangelical Christians and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're a believer listening, listening to, to the podcast right now, I want you to think about this and think about the scripture. It says, God has chosen you for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. You know, if God determines the times and places of our habitation, which he does, so says the scriptures. Yeah. You have to also understand that he determines the times and places of our leaders as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, 
that is what it is. But keep that in mind that we have a time that has a certain need. And I agree with you that I think this president is the best equipped to meet that need. Mm-hmm. So right now. Very good. Yeah. So how does today relate to our podcast theme? Ooh, man. You know, I think for me, again, um, one of the biggest things that we try to to emphasize on our podcast is the power of representation, the power of unlearning any racially problematic uh, ideas that we've imbibed along the way, you know, and I think today really was, was a good representation of that, you know, of shattering glass ceilings, you know, um, of creating a new fabric in America where women and minorities are being included in high places of our country. Then, you know, the, the final thing that I would share is, I mean, yes, we've elected the president and yes, we've elected the vice president and they, and they have a lot of work to do, but I think as Americans or as people living in America, we have to keep doing the work too, right? So doing the work in our schools, in our churches, in our families, with our children, with our friends, we have to keep doing the work. Today is the beginning of a new thing, but we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. So let's keep going. Yes, yes, yes. Yes and amen. And yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as we were preparing for this podcast, which, you know, listeners, soldiers, this wasn't, you know, this just happened today. Yeah. Right? Justine and I are texting like, you know what? It's today. Mm-hmm. We should say something about the inauguration. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So, so this, these are just thoughts as we've had them too. over the last, yes, over the last, this is a freestyle over the last few hours. Yeah. So, but what I was thinking about early this morning, I started thinking about it when I, when I saw on social media, I saw all of the, all the women, all the white women with their chucks and pearls on. Mm. Right? And I had, and I had this thought and I kind of want to share it and I, I'm going to share it as I posted it on social media. Yes. But basically, and I, I think you saw it, Jay, did you see it? I did. I did. <laughs> but please share it again. So I said, I could not be happier that our new Veep is a sister. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't agree with her politics, I think she's a great model for our daughters and nieces and granddaughters to follow because representation matters. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to say that I'm also stoked about the intersectionality of it all because this is part of, to me, what it means for our country, right? Mm -hmm. A a biracial woman is the literal embodiment of the unity of cultures and the unity that we're trying to restore to our country. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's just, that's just, it's hella dope yeah. right? on so many levels. And so, and so what I said was there's, that there's nothing about today that I'm not excited about. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I do have, so if you're a listener who's a white woman, I want you to hear this loud and clear, especially if you're a white female and you identify as a feminist. I want you, I'm, I want you because you don't have to need my permission, but be excited. You have every right to be, right? Keep rocking the chucks and the pearls. And keep celebrating, like Justine, you said, keep celebrating the shattering or the near shattering. Yeah. It'll be shattered once we have a female president. president. But keep, keep, keep shattering the near, or keep, you know, celebrating the near shattering of the, of the glass ceiling. Because 
you know, as I've been thinking today is a triumph for women, plain and simple, right? But here's the thing. The fact that it's happening during the centennial of women's suffrage is wow. even more poignant. 100 years women have had the franchise. Mm-hmm. But white women have had the franchise. Mm-hmm. Black women and Latina women and Asian women and Native American women got the franchise when? With the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Right? In 1965. 60. So, remember, white women, white mm-hmm. feminists, you have a lot, while you celebrate, you have a lot of work to do and a lot of things to atone for the way that you specifically have treated black women for a long, long, long time. Ouch. You know? So white women made the calculation to distance themselves from black feminists and Mm -hmm. from, and from the abolition movement, because some white politicians, some white male politicians, the patriarchy Mm -hmm. said, you know, you might get a little bit farther if you leave these Negroes alone. Mm -hmm. So they took the bargain, you know? And so well, I think it's appropriate to celebrate the solidarity of women. A woman is the vice president. Yeah. A woman who happens to be black, but a woman mm-hmm. is the vice president. That's an amazing, massive triumph 100 years after suffrage, which is 100 years too long. I grant that. Mm-hmm. But while you're celebrating, I hope you really start, if you haven't, or you continue if you've already begun, continue your own personal work in your person, in your relationships, in your systems and institutions your personal work of viewing and treating and behaving as if black women were and are your equal because they are your sisters in the struggle too. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And so the, the other thing that I would say about what it means for our podcast, for the theme of living while black, you know, um, like, like I've said a couple of times already, when Barack Obama was elected, you know, and a lot of people felt this, right? Those of us who remember that and were there and that kind of thing, it felt like America was pointing and smiling at people of color mm. on that day, especially everybody black. And, and, and it's, it's as if the country was collectively saying, yes, we mean y'all are Americans too now. Mm. That's what it felt like. That's mm. why I was crying real tears. Yeah. That's why Jesse Jackson was sobbing. Yeah. That's what it felt like. You know, it felt like for once, for once mm. in hundreds and hundreds of years of the colonial experiment and then the American experiment, it felt like America was going to finally begin to do right by her black and brown and marginalized people. That's what that hope mm. and change was about. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like then. But then when Donald Trump was elected as president, it felt like it was a rebuke of the possibility of all of that. And the rug got pulled mm. out from under us. And it felt like we got hustled. And for a lot of America now, you now know what it feels like to be hustled. Because yes. we were hustled for the last four years. Not because he was a Republican, because he really wasn't. But because of the kind of person and character that he is as an individual. Mm-hmm. He's still a child made in God's image. He's still an imago day. He's still an image bearer. 
but that image yeah. is seems reprehensible. Mm-hmm. But it felt like all of that hope and promise and inclusion got completely ripped out of Mundress. And today, when we saw Justice Sotomayor swear in Kamala Harris, and we mm-hmm. saw the Black Poet Laureate, and we saw J-Lo doing her thing, mm-hmm. it felt like it was coming back. Yeah. Restoration, yeah. Yes, restoration. And so, you know, for everyone like Rock and the Chucks and Pearls, it's a symbol. It's aspirational. Yeah. Right? And so, and so when I saw, you know, people on my social media feeds um, with posts, you know, with, their, with like pictures of mothers and daughters with the captions that read, the vice president looks like me. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful thing. So, yeah, yeah. So today was a very meaningful and aspirational day to kind of restore the soul of who we say we are mm-hmm. and who we, who we want to be. Mm. So yes. that's what it means for, for us as a country. Beautiful, Abdul. Love it. Ah, soldiers. So those are just some of our fresh thoughts and emotions on today's events. Uh, As Abdul said, we're recording this like just a few hours after the inauguration. So everything is fresh, 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 just for you. Uh, As always, if you like the show and the content, if you're being encouraged and challenged by it, by it, please rate the podcast, subscribe, share, and most importantly, drop us a review. Reviews help us show up in the podcast ratings, which helps new soldiers find us and join our growing community. We can always use new soldiers. Also, if you have any questions about what we cover on the podcast, if you have episode suggestions, or if you just want to reach out, you can become a member of our community on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Christian Soldier. Or you can email us at hello at christiansoldier.com. Again, our email address is hello at christiansoldier.com. So as we say a money and peace, we want to leave you with even more black girl magic from the inauguration ceremony. We'll leave you with Amanda Gorman, the youngest American poet laureate ever, reciting her poem, The Heel We Climb. Mr. President, Dr. Biden, Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace in the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. 
And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promised glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So, while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens, but one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze-pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West. We will rise from the wind-swept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. We will rebuild 
reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country. Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Wow. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. Theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development.